Keeping it live and local with Luke Lipinski on The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Welcome back to The Rundown. I'm Spencer Keatsman in for Luke Lipinski tonight. And a lot of big NFL news, but also a lot of news with the Diamondbacks today that you maybe haven't heard just because of all the free agency frenzy in the NFL going on today. And joining us now is Mike Farron of the D-backs Radio Network and host of MLB Network Radio on Sirius. Mike, how's spring training been for you so far this year? Uh, it's been a little bit different. Yeah. I haven't had been around um, you know, players and staff quite as much as I normally would be, although that's changed in the last uh, week or so with some of the protocols that we've been able to go through. So um, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's been a, a little strange being at a at a um, a, a little bit of arm's length or, or six feet of length yeah. for the most part. But um, but that said, it's great to have baseball back, and I'm excited that we're uh, you know getting closer and closer to opening day. Well, I'll tell you what, I went to a ball game in Peoria last week, and I had mm-hmm. out outfield seats and. They've got it set up there. I don't know if it's like this at every park, but if you buy four tickets, you get like a big box, a painted box in the in yeah. the uh, lawn that you can sit on. And then if you buy two, you get the smaller box. It's actually kind of a better setup in the outfield that way. That way you don't have to walk over everybody to go get up and go to the bathroom or go get a drink or something. So that well, was interesting to me. It's definitely less crowded, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's basically what they've done, I think, on the berm everywhere. And, and it's nice. I mean, it, it, listen... It's so much different just having fans in the ballpark. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, we first of all, we hope everybody is is taking every precaution that they can to be safe as possible. You know, we're we're we see the light at the end of the tunnel, and I know that that's really exciting, but we can't uh, race ahead, <laughs> you know, right. too quickly. But at the same time, like it's it's great having fans in the park. And what was really funny was like the first couple of days of spring training, it was still pretty quiet in the ballpark, yeah. I and mean, people were getting accustomed to what it was like to be back at a ball game but now you hear the cheering through the masks and um you know it's it, there were it was funny today there were a bunch of uh, borderline strike calls that went went against the diamondbacks which the fans let adrian johnson have it and that was fun too because we you know we haven't had that in a while so the boo birds are back and all of that is great well now now that you're socially distanced in the park you can easily tell who's booing you <laughs> yes be a different... well, i don't know if you saw the footage yesterday this was great and you know, so the diamondbacks were in peoria playing the mariners and all of a sudden, the Mariners uh, radio broadcast cat picks up this girl going, Daddy, hi, <laughs> Daddy, Daddy, hi. And it was Kyle Seeger's daughter. I heard that. And yeah. he stepped back and waved hello to her. So it was <laughs> it was really cute. That's awesome. Uh, before we get into some uh, stuff with some of the on-field stuff we've seen, let's talk about uh, the D-backs radio and, and, and television moving forward. Are we expecting... Anything different this year? I know the D-backs have a TV deal for like the next 20 years or something like that, and it's it's pretty much set in stone. But with the um, priority that a lot of baseball teams are putting on the television and radio product uh, in the revenue that it's generating, I, I'd imagine that that's got to be more the priority of clubs now than necessarily selling tickets. Is that the case, or am I way out of left field on that? Well, I mean, I think, listen, I mean, I think ticket sales are still a huge part of revenue, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you're talking about... what 
what's projected to be about 40% of the revenue for the sport as a whole. And I think it varies market to market as to where it is. So it's not like it, it's, you know, while, um, you know, specifically the local television contracts tend to be to make up a larger percentage of the pie than it has before. Um, you know, there's that. There's corporate sponsorships, which obviously, you yeah. know, are impacted when you're not playing as many games or you don't have fans in the stands. And um, there's all sorts of other things, you know, with the advertising and signage and whatnot. So, um, you know, I don't know that there's necessarily anything that I can think of that's being done, you know, that to, you know, change the way the broadcasts are going outside of, you know, none of us are traveling to open right. season at least. Um, and that's kind of league wide. But, um, you know, I think you'll see a, you'll see a rebranding very soon on what is currently Fox Sports Arizona will be Bally Sports Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's all part of the, the rebranding when the Fox Sports affiliates were sold first to to Disney and then to the Sinclair uh, networks. And you're going to see that across the country and all the Fox Sports affiliates. So that's probably the biggest thing. And I've heard the graphics packages pretty cool that they're doing some cool stuff but that's the, that's the kind of the extent of it and other than that like on the radio like you're still going to get Greg and Candy and you're yep. still going to get you know uh, Leo and we're we're still going to be um, you know in the same spots that we always have been so I, I don't know that there's going to be a whole ton of change and I think the biggest for the broadcasters is that at least to open the season we're not traveling well and, and we're talking with Mike Farron here and you can hear him generally at about what 610 every night locally is that when you're starting pregame the games are at 640 six o'clock okay yeah Yeah, that would be a weird clock radio wise to just start that thing at 610 (laughs) that wouldn't make that wouldn't make any sense so yeah uh mike farron of the d-backs radio network let's talk about uh what happened today i know you don't have an update on Cattell Marte, and i don't think anybody does as of now just maybe explain what you saw did you see the play sliding into third base well yeah i I do have an update he rolled his ankle on the base okay it doesn't sound like it's very serious so yesterday he got hit in the pit (laughs) by a pitch in the left foot man and they took him out of the game as precaution today he was going first to third on a ball and he he you know rolled his foot on the base at, at third and that's something that happens pretty commonly and Tori Lovello said that they took him out of the game just as a precaution you know sure. it was kind of a bad trip around the bases too because you know, he reached on an error and it was one of those balls that he hit off the end of his bat mm-hmm. and so it was cold I mean it was like 55 degrees today right so he was shaking his hands out he had the bees in his hands right? so <laughs> uh, rough trip around the bases for Cattell but he's listed as day to day and so so, you know, we won't, um, you know, my guess is that he's probably not in the lineup tomorrow. I don't know if he was planning on being in the lineup tomorrow and surprise anyway against the Rangers. But uh, it does not sound like it's anything significant, which is really good news because the Diamondbacks need Cattell Marte uh, if they're yeah. going to do what Tori says and shock the world. Yeah, I mean, seeing him go first to third is not an uncommon thing. We saw that a lot in uh, 2019. And last year, a little bit of a drop off with Marte. Look, obviously a weird year. Uh, I don't think I've asked you this or we haven't talked in a while, so I definitely haven't asked you this. What do you take from the 60 game schedule? And if guys maybe had a little bit of a dip in their numbers, is that something that you're really concerned about? No. Um, as a general rule, I would say no. I mean, I think it's it's the same as trying to parse too much out of the first two months of any regular season. You know, guys with track record, I think you feel like, um, you know, they're going to reach their numbers. I mean, I think the one thing to keep an eye on with Cattell is, like, is he going to be a 30-homer bat? I think that's a question that's still... 
you know, I, I, I feel like nationally it's probably more open than those of us who are around him and we see what the power is like yeah. from both sides of the plate and how it, and, you know, listen today, and granted he's, you know, he's, I think, just one of the most aggressive swinging hitters from the right side in the league. You know, he had a 457-foot homer. So, like, uh, and he's starting to drive the ball again from the left side, which we really didn't see last year. I no. felt like his timing got a little bit out of whack after summer camp and that impacted it. But I think you're going to see, you know, a guy who's going to be a really dynamic offensive force and you know I think guys like Escobar like he's going to play closer to the back of his baseball card than what he did last year I think that there's probably you know that's probably going to be said for Carson Kelly I think a couple of guys that got off to uneven starts like Nick Ahmed and and David Peralta that happened for you know so I don't I don't put a ton of stock into the 60 games and that and that goes with guys who may have you know swung the bat unexpectedly well too you know across the league like all of a sudden like you know like Marcelo Zuna is a really good offensive player, but he led the league last year in homers and RBI. And I don't know that Marcelo Zuna is going to lead the league in homers and RBI for playing 162 games in 2020. So, uh, you know, I think that there's, I think there are some things that you'll see that kind of normalize over the course of a full schedule. And, you know, that, that, will include, I think, the bounce back for, for a number of, of players, you know, especially offensively for the Diamondbacks. Well, and uh, that segues into the next thing that we're going to talk about here, and that is, of course, the national media. They, they're not giving this team much love. I think the over-under is 82 games, I think, uh, the Vegas over-under on 82 wins, but um, I'm taking the over on that. And the reason is is because I, I think that there's – there's some veterans on this team who are like Escobar, like Peralta, maybe Nick Ahmed, who are thinking that they've got one final run at this to make a playoff run in the next couple years. And I, I do you get the feeling that maybe the, the time is ticking on some of these guys to actually have a playoff run in their career and make a run at a World Series? You know, I mean, Peralta's got two years left on his contract here. Yeah. Ahmed has three. Um, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily think that they're looking at it that way. I mean, I think, you know, we had we did our, our MLB Network Radio Spring Training uh, tour stop, or virtual stop with the Diamondbacks today. And um, Zach Gallen said that there was kind of a quiet, salty feeling among the team in spring training, which – is because they didn't play well last year and they feel like they're a better team than that. And so I don't think that that, you know, that's from one of the younger guys that's saying that, right? So I don't think that it's a, a, there's a veteran group that's necessarily saying, Hey, this is our last gasp. I think there's a number of players that feel like they're a better team than what they showed last year. You know, Mm -hmm. that that was the first losing season we've seen with, you know, Mike Hazel and Tori Lovello in charge. And so I, I I think that there's probably more a a sense of like the true talent level is a team that's not you know 25 and 35 I think it's probably uh, a little bit better than that or significantly better than that from a winning percentage standpoint and so I think there's that chance that they kind of settle in there but I think listen they're they're in a really tough division with two teams in the Dodgers and Padres that are really really good I mean the Padres made a lot of moves and they're a lot of really good moves so um, it's not going to be easy to be able to make it even as the second wild card team or or, it's certainly not going to be easy to win the division but I do like the fact that they're not running from um, the test and they don't mind the fact that they're the underdogs and the Diamondbacks do have a a pretty good history of uh, popping up in first place when nobody expects them to. Yeah, um, some roster news today with the Diamondbacks. As far as I'm concerned, everyone in the Grinky trade except for Rojas was sent down. 
Is that correct? <laughs> That's pretty. Yeah, that is actually true. Yeah. So, Corbin Martin and Seth Beer and, Z, and, and JB Bukowski. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Bukowskis is the one that really has a head scratcher on me because he's pitched really well in spring. Nine innings, hasn't given up a base runner. We all know what today the rule is. Mike, I, I think you know what what we're getting at here—the service time well, manipulation issue. What it, do you? It's it's not. It's a little bit different, I think, in this regard because I don't think that you're going to see teams play that with a reliever very often. You know, what you're talking about is keeping guys in the minor leagues for the first couple mu- weeks of the season in an effort to try and gain a seventh year of control. Mm-hmm. And relief pitchers that doesn't that doesn't really fly as being um, that significant or that important. So, I so think we're set on him being is, a reliever. He's a reliever. Are we set? Well, on that's that? the. That's what they told him coming okay. into camp. All right. So, I mean, now I think there's the chance that, you know, he, he changed his arm stroke and, uh, you know, he's been consistently in the zone. So maybe there's a chance that they will stretch him out at some point. But at least in the short term, they're looking at him as a reliever. You know, Tori Lovello addressed it today and said that they, you know, that they had they you know wanted him to be able to get more experience at, you know, practicing as a relief pitcher and controlling the running game and some of those things but there were there were some other sir, there were some other deadlines that that were important today in terms of uh injured list stints for players on the 40 man roster right. that probably had some sort of impact on it as well but listen i think the biggest thing is that JB Bukaskis is looks like he is going to have a significant impact on the 2021 Diamondbacks this year mm-hmm. um and i would be surprised if it didn't happen relatively early in the season yeah so for reference on what this is a lot of people may remember the chris bryant strategy you're saying that's not this just because you think no. he's going to start at this or start his career as a reliever right yeah i mean generally what, what you're seeing when you're talking about that that so what, what happens is that you have to have so if we want to get complicated here the season <laughs> is 187 days long if you have 172 days of service time you get a full year of service so what teams have done with potential star level players is that they've kept them in the minor leagues until just after that deadline so that they hit free agency after their seventh year and not their sixth full sixth season because you need to have six full years and so that's what the Chris Bryant situation was the right. situation in Houston with George Springer it's a situation with a number of players you will see it with some good pitching prospects some of the top tier ones and really top tier position player prospects in general those are the Spots you do it because the 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 reasoning is as much as anything is the cost on those guys gets to be um, you know far greater when mm-hmm. you start getting to the last years of arbitration and they hit free agency and so you're trying to delay that and get as much of their prime control as possible and relievers just by nature are higher risk because they're pitchers and a lot of times pitchers have an injury history and that leads them to the bullpen and so it doesn't it. There aren't. I don't remember a single team with a relief pitching prospect that has played a a, a service time game like that, okay. where they've been trying to gain a seventh year of control. Because it's just it tends to be a much more volatile position. Now that's not to say that Bukaskis can't go out there and be you know an ace reliever for seven years, and it's not to say that he doesn't you know end up going back in the rotation or anything. I just think that you know, based on the conversations that I've had and based on just knowing the way that this works, it's highly unlikely that they're playing a service okay. time game in that. And uh, switching now to Bukaskis's former college teammate at North Carolina and current roommate, I believe. Um, and college roommate, And too. college roommate, Zach Gallen. Okay, so if you're Tori Lovello, Mike, do you have the cojones to go up to Madison Bumgarner and say Gallen's going to take the ball on opening day and you're not? 
I mean, it's all lined up for Bumgarner to take. The I know, I'm just, but in terms so, of who no, the better I mean, pitcher is, I don't. <laughs> so you're asking the wrong guy because I don't care. <laughs> like, I, I mean, th- those two guys are going to start the most games over the course of the season. Sure, and that's what really matters, right? So, yeah. like, I don't care what order they start them in. It doesn't matter to me. You know, Bumgarner has a lot to prove, and you know, he was pretty good again today. Like, you know, the fastball velocity down a little bit from his first start, but I thought he had a really good cutter going for the most part today. His curveball wasn't quite as sharp as his first outing, but but I think there was a lot to build on. And I think, you know, Bumgarner, quite frankly, has kind of earned that. So I don't think it necessarily matters which one of them. You know, if Bumgarner goes to Tory and says, I don't care who starts on opening day and they want to put Gallon there, fine. If yeah. they don't, it, it doesn't. In my, my estimation, it doesn't matter. I think we worry too much about what the opening day lineup looks like. And yeah. I think that, that goes for players with injuries, too. You know, like, you know, Cole Calhoun's probably not getting, I'm sure he would love to be ready for opening day because it's opening day, right? But, like, slow it down a little bit just to make sure that you don't, you know, rush to get back. I think that, that does, that's better for a player than, you know, than just, you know, worrying about what, what is, to some degree, an arbitrary deadline. So yeah. it's, I, I, I hate to be the guy who's, you know, the tinkling in the Wheaties on it, but that's kind of my, my philosophy. On the opening day question is, I mean, listen, Bumgarner and Gallon are going to make the most yeah. starts. It's one it's out one of one sixty-two. It doesn't yeah. matter, and the only time the opening day starter role matters is literally on opening day. Because once right. you're into the, the weeds of the season, it's every five days is your turn to pitch. I mean, it's just as simple as that. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Mike Farron, D-backs Radio Network, host of MLB Network on Sirius. We certainly thank you for taking a few minutes out of your time this evening on the rundown, and uh, cannot wait to hear your voice with the Diamondbacks on the radio this year, right here on 98.7. Very, very soon. We will be there two weeks from Thursday as the opener.